Welcome into the BSN Buffs podcast live from the Blake Street Tavern. I am Jake Shapiro. He is Ryan Koningsberg. And uh, Road Trip RK finally coming to an end here. He has landed home in the nest. The eagle is home. Uh, I know you like that because you're Bird's guy, but you're finally back in the great city of Denver. But I know, I think Des Moines or Des Moines or whatever it is has left a good impact or a good feeling on you. I, I don't know. You know, you probably put Des Moines right up there with Denver after how, how much you, you seem to have fallen in love with the Iowa way. Yeah, I really, really like Des Moines. Um, city of the monks, as some people call it. Um, the Las Vegas of the Midwest, as Remy calls it. Yes, or uh, City of the Shit Faces, as was rumored to uh, be the actual name on the internet when I Googled it. Uh, apparently one of those classic Indian practical jokes they played on the white man. Like how Chicago is named Stinky Onions by the Ojibwe. Exactly. Um, those, those Native Americans were full of jokes back in the day. That was their only way at getting back at the white man. Uh, Boomer Sooner. Woohoo! <laughs> but uh, anyways, I, I just really liked Des Moines. Um, first of all, it, it has real like buildings. It's a real city. I don't know if you knew that. Did not. <laughs> it's me either. I know it's close to Council Bluffs. That's yes. one of the things I do know about Des Moines. So uh, when we pulled in and I saw like, you know, the stadium and buildings and stuff, I was like, oh, it's a real city, not just a town in a flyover state. Um, and to me, it, it's almost like a smaller, more charming Denver in terms of, like, the people, the style you see around there is the same. Like, you're getting the, the classic hard part haircuts and, uh, you know, fashion that you see around Tattoos, Denver. Tattoos, earrings, and, yeah, and nose That sort of things that you see around the city. Um, but then there's, like, really cool food spots, really cool bars. Uh, we went to a place called Thong's Pizza on the first night, which was a recommendation from Dero- Jerome Grady. Uh, just like you know, it, it was a cool place. I think it's developing into a really cool place. I, I talked to one of the people there who said, you know, it wasn't this cool 10 years ago. So I think uh, it's it's a really cool place. And the people were just so, so nice. I loved I loved the people there. My, one of my Uber drivers, um, I was talking to him and he was like, so like, what's a guy like? what's a guy like you from a cool town in Denver doing here in Des Moines? And I told him, and he's like, oh, you're a writer. Like, so what do you think of it? And I was like, I love it. And he was like, he's like, God, you got to write something nice about us. Like some mean guy from Kentucky was saying all these mean things about us. Like you got to counter it. So this One is me. Kentucky and just being <laughs> mad about Des Moines. Yeah. And he was like, he's like, I, I don't even understand what Kentucky has on us. He's like, <laughs> at least a guy from Denver, like you could be like, yeah, it's not nearly as cool as Denver, but. This is me sticking up for Des Moines t- to the mean Kentucky guy. Uh, I thought it was a really nice place, and, and I, th- I think uh, anyone who went there, I think you know, it would be cool to have more events there. I, I think anyone who went there would be pleasantly surprised. You were out there with our friends Nick Cosmeter from the Denver Post, uh, Cameron Goldner, Ted Chalfin from Ralphie Report, and uh, you were out there not only for the Buffs game, but you stayed for the second round. And How was the atmosphere? I know it was the first time you covered an NCAA tournament just kind of due to circumstance. Uh, how was the stadium? I know it's a big home to the Iowa Wild of the AHL and uh, the Iowa energy of the D-League. How, how did that all uh, factor in? And I also have a weird question for you, and maybe you can answer this. What does it mean for a team to host a, a tournament? Because I know I think Iowa State was hosting that. So does that mean the Iowa State staff is working that? Or wh- yeah, what kind of works there? Yeah, basically all you're getting is, one, the Iowa State staff is helping out with the NCAA public relations staff um, in that sense. Uh, other than that, it just means that Iowa State can't be there, basically. 
um, and I'm sure they get some sort of kickback uh, money-wise from hosting it. Um, in terms of the atmosphere, it was really cool. I, I thought, first of all, the Buffs brought a good amount of fans. Uh, the KU fans weren't cheering for the Buffs as much as I thought they were going to, which was kind of unfortunate for a, from a CU perspective. But the second round games, um, Indiana brought a great group of fans. Uh, KU brought a great group of fans. Kentucky was kind of meh. Um, and UConn didn't really have anything to speak for. But it was just cool being in the town as kind of four blue blood programs, uh, 20 national championships, KU having the least national championships out of the teams left in the second round. It was pretty cool to see all of that converge in a good basketball state in Iowa. I mean, Iowa produces good basketball talent on a year-in, year-out basis. So I think it was special for, for Iowa and just to kind of see all of those teams converge into one. That's a, that's a viable Final Four. Kentucky, Indiana, UConn, and Kansas. Like, you would believe that if I told you before the season that was going to be the Final Four. Right, there's a reason Jim Nance is doing those games. Right. So, uh, all in all, it was cool. The atmosphere was cool. Um, I really liked sitting down on the floor and kind of feeling the atmosphere from below. It's a little different when we, we moved up after the Buffs get. That's, yeah, they don't want you to cheer for your, uh, your team. You're supposed to be unbiased. But as soon as you lose, they boot you to the roof and say – your team's not in here anymore. Get out of here. So I guess we are allowed to have a vested interest in that sense. You know what is cool, and I always take this for granted, and I was talking to you about this. Uh, someone that we know got uh, onto the floor for the first time during the Pac-12 tournament, and, you know, basically I, I hung out with them that night in Vegas, and, you know, he goes, uh, you know, I'm just a small town kid from Pennsylvania, and I'm on the floor watching two top ten or two fit top fifteen teams in the country go at it. And like you kind of take it for advan uh, for granted. Me and you sometimes. I mean, I'm only in my first year doing this, but like you just kind of put your head down and want to get to your laptop and start typing away. But like you look up for a second, it's like, oh my God, Bill Self and John Calipari are on the court, and I'm 15 feet away from it, and I'm watching two of the best programs in the history of college basketball play back to back. Yeah, it's pretty special to see something like that. I think um, it's, it's, it, it is easy to take for granted, but at a certain point I had just closed my uh, – after the Buffs game, obviously, I just closed my laptop and was like, wait a second, I, just, I, I don't need to tweet right now. I don't need to do anything right now. I just need to soak this in because this really is a special atmosphere, um, a special game, a special place to be. And it is, it is easy to take for granted. And as I look back in a month – in the last five weeks – I've covered the Super Bowl, the Pac-12 tournament, and the NCAA tournament all from the sites, uh, and that's pretty special. I, I woke up this morning feeling pretty, pretty. Uh, I pretty had, hashtag blessed, blessed. Yeah, little, yes. Little hashtag blessed. I don't know. If, I don't know of a better word. I woke up feeling pretty hashtag blessed about it, um, and yeah, that's pretty amazing. Speaking of hashtag blessed, I have to tell a quick story from Selection Sunday. Go for it. Um, I'm, I'm sitting there talking to Josh Scott after the Buffs get selected to Des Moines, and he's like, are you going? I'm like, yeah. He's like, damn, man. Last week you're in Vegas. Now you're this week you're going to be in Des Moines. Like, you got it made. And I was like, you get to do the same thing? And he just goes, I know. Hashtag blessed. <laughs> uh, uh, can you tell the other Josh Scott story from the Tad Boyle house? Do you feel comfortable telling that one, the bracket story? Sure. Because <laughs> this is a great story, but we, we kind of kept it on the DL. So Josh Scott, uh, 
after what after the Buffs get selected or ever. Uh, Josh right, Scott, they had just like blank brackets sitting around the house. Right, and, and Josh Scott was nervous, and he'll admit it that he was nervous going into it. So he wasn't exactly his goofy, joking self um, before they got their uh, their selection. Um, but afterwards, he went right back to being Josh, and there's blank brackets out there in case you wanted to fill them out. Well, Josh Scott just just grabs one bracket, takes it, writes Colorado as champion, slams it on the table, and just goes, done, and walks away. Typical Josh Scott, and now that we're getting into the game a little bit, really unfortunate to see his career end this way. We'll talk about it at the end of the segment a little bit. But Colorado up as by as many as 11 points in this game in Des Moines loses 67 to 74 to the Yukon Huskies really you know I, I described this game to a few, few people and they're just like what happened and I'm just like it's the classic CU game like they were up they had a chance it came against them they still had a chance to come back they almost did it and then they still lost yeah it was unfortunate to see the season end that way because I think as the season's happening and as you're watching it, you sort of think, yeah, this will end eventually. They'll figure it out eventually. And after they kind of blew away Oregon's, or sorry, Washington State in the Pac-12 tournament and then had a, a different script in the next game where they came back from a big lead, you thought maybe they're turning the tides here. Maybe it's all coming back together for them. Uh, and so to see it end that way is kind of unfortunate. And I thought the quote from Dom Collier in my story was very telling when he was just like, it's so, so frustrating for that to happen to us in the NCAA tournament. He goes, now we don't get to play basketball again until November, and that's the worst feeling there is as a basketball player. And I thought, you know, this that locker room, man, um, in the NCAA tournament, they open up the locker room, and we walked in there, and I, I, I literally almost walked in there and took a 180 and just walked right out because I almost felt bad. Um, literally just the entire team sitting at their lockers, with their hands on their knees and their head down. And this was 35 minutes after the game. It was really tough to see. Um, but I, I, I was really impressed with Dom uh, and Xavier Tallman were the two guys I talked to. And I was just really impressed with the way they handled themselves because um, they see you walking over and they're like, oh, here we go. But to be able to kind of um, put it behind them and reflect on the game like professionals and really um, – I mean, they really acted like pros and answered questions honestly when they really could have just given me one-word answers, and I honestly would have understood and, and gone and wrote my story with the quotes we got from Tad. But for, uh, for them to act that way, it was really impressive from my point of view. Especially for them, and, you know, March is all about guard play. College basketball is all about guard play. You always say it. You know, Armaton Halzel writes a piece last Wednesday in ta uh, detailing that Colorado, in order to win, needs to stop UConn's guards. Hamilton, 17 points. Gibbs, 12 points. Purvis, 19 points. Adams, 9 points off the bench. Collier and Talton, not that good. And, uh, you know, that might have been where the game was lost. Right. I mean, in the second half, Daniel Hamilton put on a clinic, uh, just getting to his spots and making floaters, which is what he does well, um, or finishing at the rim, which is what he does well for being a huge guard. Um, or, you know, a wing if you want to call him, but he, he kind of is in a more of a ball-handling role for them. And, like, yeah, you said, I, I say it all the time, you know, it's, it's – you can't win when you're – you can't always win when your best players are uh, big men because there's so much that has to happen to get those big men involved the way you want to, and it's really hard for certain guards to make that happen. And I think, you know, 
Dom Collier played good when he was in there, but again, he gets a foul early in the game. Uh, and, you know, I turn to the Des Moines Register guy sitting next to me, and I go, watch, he'll get another one uh, in the next couple minutes. And, of course, he did. And, and then it takes him out of the game, and it, and it almost changes everything you're trying to do because your rotations are off. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, Tom Sakizili, who, who I thought played admirably, you know, he didn't have a bad game necessarily, but he didn't impact the game really in a great way. Um, so now he's running the point for you. Then you've got Xavier Talton. Um, who you're trying to run the point, and he sometimes in situations gets caught up trying to do more than he can when he's playing a role um, like that when you're asking more of him. So, And then you have freshman Aki Azili in there in his first March Madness tournament being like relied upon, too. Right, exactly. So it was just a tough situation for them, uh, and I think, you know, like it's just it shines through uh, as UConn, you know, as Wes Gordon misses two free throws, um, I get this feeling that, uh-oh, here's the, here's the beginning. They're up 11. It's at the under-12 timeout. Here's the beginning of something. And I, I said this to Ted, and he actually wrote about this. I said, you know, if we can feel it, I can almost guarantee that they can feel it. And whether it's, whether it's consciously or subconsciously, uh, the feeling I have is, uh-oh, this could be the start of something. And you have to imagine they think that. And then all of a sudden, UConn gets a bucket, and then they turn it over, and then UConn hits a three. And that's when you know it's kicking into them, uh-oh, we're going to blow another lead. So for that to happen to them, uh, it, it's, it's just unfortunate to see this season end that way because, uh, frankly, I really, really, really enjoyed covering that team. It was a great group of guys. Probably, I was thinking about this yesterday on the drive home, probably the most fun I've really ever had covering a team um, was covering this, of course – Aside from probably, of course, covering the end of the Broncos Super Bowl run there. But in terms of, you know, from start to finish, covering a whole season, especially at CU, uh, I really, really enjoyed covering this team just and just the way um, that team took on the personality of a guy like Josh Scott. Before we getting we get into to Josh and putting a wrap on this season, the other thing in this game, uh, you mentioned those two missed free throws from Wes Gordon, and you always talk about March as being free throw awareness month. Well, UConn goes 22 from, uh, of 23 from the stripe, 95%. They're the best free throw shooting team in the country. Colorado goes 19 of 30, and they're 63%. In my opinion, that's really where the game was lost. And Tad Boyle, you know, said differently. He said the game was lost in different areas. You know, Colorado got out rebounded in this game, which rarely happens. And they also didn't take care of the ball as well as UConn. And, uh, but for me, the free throws really killed them. Yeah. I think, you know, Tad Boyle doesn't like to talk about free throws. He thinks, he thinks the free throws, uh, are between the man, the ball and the basket and no one else uh, needs to get in between it. And so he's always just going to tell his guys, free throws are on you learn to shoot free throws. Of course they have um, short periods in practice where they do work on it, but he really thinks that guys need to make free throws a priority on their own. And so that's why you're not going to hear him talking about, oh, free throws cost us this game. Um, but it's just unfortunate to see it happen to a team that's a good free throw shooting team. You know, I always talk about uh, the, the free throw awareness month, and I, I didn't start that. That was someone else. But it usually happens to the teams who have gotten by all year while being a bad free throw shooting team. Um, I think back to, you know, the Memphis teams back in the day uh, where, you know, they, they were bad free throw shooting teams all year. They coasted on their talent, and then all of a sudden it gets down to a close game in March, and they blow it on free throws. 
that's not what I expected from the Buffs, who are, the, who are one of the best free throw team, shooting teams in the country as well. And so, it, you know, it sucks for them to look back and think, wow, we missed 11 free throws. Um, we lose by seven, you know, and we probably could have been up by a whole bunch more, and we might have been able to kill their spirit if they were able to make those free throws. So it's un, it's just a bummer for them. And obviously for Josh Scott, who, who's normally one of the best free throw shooters on the team, to miss five is uh, – kind of shocking yeah to see josh's career end that way where you know same story kind of as the arizona game where colorado seemed to be out of it with about six minutes left everyone's tweeting it sucks that this is happening and you know they come back to one possession kind of surprisingly but still for josh scott you know no tournament wins in his career and he definitely probably deserved to get at least one uh stand-up guy that he is and how much work he puts in and uh just kind of ill-timed with kind of the teams around him but his career ends and he goes down as one of the best players in Colorado basketball history but you know his career ends on a lull right there right and, and yeah it's it's crazy you know that Josh Scott's career ends without a tournament victory because um, I think in the future we'll you know you'll be able to look back and say well it was three tournaments and the one year they didn't make the tournament he wasn't healthy and um, it, it was really an illustrious career from start to finish but you know to not have it is a bummer, and you almost thought it was just destiny for it to happen this year, him as a senior, and he has a great game, actually. You know, 23-11, and 11, I believe, was the final line. But it just didn't work out for him in that sense, and I think you, you touched on it a little bit there. It just – it never – the team never had the right makeup, I thought, around him to accentuate his, capa- his abilities and what he does great. You know, I thought Dom did – did a good job of feeding him most of this year and obviously Josh had a stellar season but it never felt like it was like this perfectly built team around two big men um the way it could have been and and that's because dad originally designed this roster or, or his earlier rosters to be designed around Spencer so when Spencer went down uh it was kind of too too late to be able to turn around the roster to be built around a guy like Josh uh and so, you know, his career ends without a tournament victory, but I wrote about this, and I think a lot of you saw it, but if you didn't, I would love if you would read it because, to me, the the, the legacy that Josh Scott leaves is, was, was in the guy that he is, and um, he, I think it was just special to, to see that throughout four years and, and see a guy, you know, he never got too big once he started becoming, like, quote-unquote, big man on campus or – whatever it was, you know, you always got the same Josh Scott, always so gracious with us. Um, off the court, I, you know, I had the chance to hang out with him a little bit just as a college student when I was in school with him, and same guy, you know, just just always such a good guy, and uh, I think that's, you know, the mark of, uh, of a, an admirable person is someone who never changes, no matter the surroundings, no matter who they're with, and no matter, you know, what they're doing. Both of us love Josh and our time spent with Josh. Uh, like you said, stand-up guy and really fun to be around. And it's great that we get to cover an era of Colorado basketball where we get to be around a guy like Josh Scott. But we're going to go into the bigger picture on the other side of this next break. We're going to put a wrap on this past season. We're also going to talk about the 2016-2017 Colorado Buffaloes uh, as well as the program as a whole. Uh, should be interesting what we kind of talk about. Uh, we'll way too early preview of next season kind of thing. Just kind of talk about where they're headed and everything like that. So stick around. We'll be back on the other side of the break.
This is Justin Gold from Justin's. If you've had my nut butter or my peanut butter cups, then you know that I take my products and my customers very seriously. So when I needed my roof replaced, I wanted somebody who feels the same way about their customers and their products that I do. Luckily for me, I found exactly that when I went to Chip Ezzo from Chip's Roofing, and he provided me with a service that I'll never forget. Not only did they build me a beautiful high-wind roof with the best products available, but the quality, price, and service was exceptional. I was in contact with Chip the entire time, and him and his crew couldn't have been more professional. Chip's Roofing has my business for life. Chips Roofing, Colorado's high-wind roofing experts for 30 years. You can find us online at chipsroofingllc.com. That's chipsroofingllc.com. Or call us now at 720-938-ROOF. That's 720-938-ROOF. Once again, 720-938-ROOF. Hi, I'm Erica Chenard, and I've been helping Colorado homeowners buy and sell for 14 years. From the biggest names in Colorado to first-time buyers, I treat each and every one like an MVP. I've sold over 170 homes in the last 12 months, and I can help you sell your current one or buy your next one. Call me, Erica Chenard, at 720-663-1003 or online at denvercohomes.com. Of course you want to be in better shape, and of course you want to change the way you eat, but it's easier said than done. Hi, I'm Adam Kinney, and like you, I've tried a million different things to accomplish this before I found the solution. Now, I go to Ironclad Fitness off of Evans. The days of long, boring cardio sessions are over. My kettlebell training at Ironclad is fast, innovative, and it really works. At this rate, I'll never step on a treadmill again. Let Ironclad Fitness change your life like they're changing mine. Ironclad Fitness. Hey, Josh, what happened to Colorado Keg House? I was just there yesterday, Adam. It's the same great place with 72 Colorado craft beers on tap. Really? I heard they had up to 60 breweries in there. I figured they must have moved into a huge building or something. That means they have up to 60 different breweries on tap, dude. Do you think they actually crammed 60 breweries in there? Oh, so they still have 27 TVs? Yeah. And NFL Sunday ticket? Yep. Cool. Still awesome. Colorado Keg House, Colorado's home for craft beer by the First Bank Center in Broomfield. BSN Buffs podcast live from the Blake Street Tavern. And hey, are you ever down by the Lincoln Light Rail Station, Ryan? You know, I am once in a long while, but if I'm ever down there, I make sure to get down to Clock Tower Grill. Uh, really, in that area, you can't find a better place to get your pregame on. Uh, you know, say you're coming from the south. Say you're coming from Colorado College and you want to go to a DU hockey game. Yeah, I don't think, I think that's a little... I don't know if you can light rail from Colorado College to the DU game. I don't think you can either. But if you're coming from down south, you're coming downtown to a Nuggets game or something, make sure you stop by the Clock Tower Grill and, and get there for the to get your night started. Uh, Mondays, they got $3 Long Islands, uh, $0.75 cent wings on Wednesdays, $3 shots on Fridays. Really no place to get it started than at the Clock Tower Grill. Remember to get down there before hopping on the light rail. All right, well, let's get back into Colorado basketball. And the Colorado Hoopsters, uh, hoop, hoop. Why are you saying it like that? I don't know. It's not that weird, is it, Ryan? I don't like it. You don't like it? Okay, I'm a big hoops guy. Uh, I like <laughs> I like saying hoops, too. But, you know, some people just think that... Uh, hoops is weird. Hoops is a weird way to say it. I'm glad you got what I was picking at, Ryan. 
uh, anyways, uh, they are going to have a really good year, I think, in 2016, 2017. Josh Scott already tweeted about it. I think his quote was, they about to be nasty, end quote. Uh, and truthfully, they are. They got Derek White, who we've, we've started to hype up a little bit, but it's really going to start as of this podcast, the Derek White hype train is going to go full I'm the conductor. Screen. Don't make any mistake about it. I what What's the guy? Uh, I always wanted to be the conductor on a train, I think, growing up. like I think that was like my dream job when I was like four. So, like, so you could go choo-choo. Right, and like punch people's tickets. I think that's a different person I think than that, the conductor. I'll be the engineer. You'd be the conductor. You, you're I like think the guy who shovels the coal into the steam engine. Cisneros needs to make a gif well. of us working on a, on a steam train probably and call it the Derek White hype train. That would actually, all right, I'm, I can get behind that. Um, but, yeah, jo- Josh tweeted that. And he's like, I want to make sure I, I get this out before any reporters do. Well, I'm sorry to tell you, Josh. I've been – we've been talking on this podcast. We, we went on a rant like – I think it was three weeks ago where I was like, wait, why are we talking about next year's team already? There's still three weeks left in the season. But we've been, I've been talking about that team and how much I like the makeup of them uh, for a while now. So take that, Josh Scott. Uh, you can't beat me. As Austin said on Twitter, no one, no one in Boulder can be RK at anything now. Yeah. That, those are not my words. They're someone else's, so I'm allowed to say them. Stop hyping up RK. <laughs> I, I almost just called you RK. I'm mixing up your non-existent <laughs> nicknames. <laughs> um, um, but I just love the way that w- that the team sets up. Obviously, there's a few things that need to go um, correctly and kind of the pieces that need to fall into place. But there uh, are less questions right now much about next year than there were last year at, at this, this time. time. Absolutely. I think, you know, for me, it's a big a big piece to get Xavier Johnson to stick around. I think signs are pointing towards that. Um, nothing in stone yet, but I think that's kind of where we're headed. Uh, and I think that's going to be a big thing. Um, getting him to play the four, I'm sure he's already added a little bit of bulk just naturally from not playing basketball this season. Um, capitalize on that, uh, you know, and become someone who can play the four. They're going to be running small lineups, and that's fine, though. It's fine in college basketball. You don't always need to have a back-to-the-basket six-foot-ten guy, which was great to have in Josh Scott. Um, but really, they won't even be that small. I mean, Wes Gordon's right. huge. XJ is, you know, I would say probably the, the size of an average four. George is probably just a little bit undersized to be a four, but oversized to be a three. So they're really not that undersized, even without Josh. Right. Uh-huh. And, and you look around the Pac-12, and most of the Pac-12 teams we've discussed this are losing their premier big man. So you look around the Pac-12, and... Wes Gordon already is going to be one of the best big men in the conference, and he might be one of the biggest big men in the conference. Right. Uh, yeah, so I, I really like the way that it works out. Um, it, it's, it reminds me more of a college basketball team that is set up to play college basketball. You know, it's not, it, don't, it, just, it just has that feel to me, and, and, I, and it's all behind Derek White, and I guess I'll, I'll just get that, that hype train rolling now because I – I think Derek White is going to be extremely special. Um, for a one-year player, he might end up being uh, some of some of the people, you know, one of the favorites people have ever had um, watching play in a Colorado uniform. Um, and I guess I'll just say all the things that I've been saying to people privately. I might as well put it out there. I, I really think uh, he's going to be the best player on the team. Uh, I think he has a chance to be an all-conference player. I think he's going to be in the in the discussion for conference player of the year. I, I mean, I really him that high on Derek White uh just watching him in practice he does everything 
He does everything. He, he plays Jakob Pertl on scout team, and he's like 6'5". He is um, he's the most capable scorer. I mean, he is the definition. All three levels. Right. He is the definition of a three-level scorer. Um, he's cash from the corner in, from three, from what we've seen. Uh, he, he slashes better than anyone on the team. He finishes at the rim better than anyone on the team. Uh, and his, he has this mid-range fadeaway that's legitimately unguardable. I mean, it leaves dudes shaking their heads every day. So I'm, like, I, I hate doing this where I hype players up too much, but I'm, like, so excited about watching Derek White play in the Colorado uniform that I can't contain myself because uh, it's going to be a really, really cool story, and that's how I always see it through the eyes of uh, when this kid comes from D2 and – blindsides college basketball with with the type of player that he is and i'll leave i'll 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 save myself a little bit here with the with the um i guess i don't know by saying you never know if a guy's going to be able to turn it on game day of course one of the last times he was in a a uniform he put up i think 50 points in In the the division two championship game so uh it's not that he's never been a gamer before. Of course, it could change. And, and he literally know. put a program on the map in University right. of Colorado. So I don't even know where it is. I, I'm anymore. not really afraid of him not being a gamer, but uh, I think he really has it all. I've, I'm really, really excited for people to see him play. Yeah, he's been awesome in practice, and uh, those practices are open. So if you don't believe us, uh, come out to a practice early next year, yeah. and you will – you will see Derek White is legit, uh, and there, there's no doubt about it. Everything Ryan is saying is true, and he's got one more thing to add even. Well, and here's another thing. You know, you want to you wanna look at their struggles this year, and it was not having a, a player who can play in ISO situations, I felt. You know, when, when you want the Tad Boyle offense late in the game, it's always going to be taking the air out of the ball uh, and a guy going ISO, and I wrote about this, how it didn't work trying to – run the clock, and then ISO Josh Scott. Derek White can handle the ball. He can get his own shot. He can work that mid-range fadeaway. He can get to the rim. Um, Don't be surprised to see the ball in his hands in important situations a lot next year. And then Derek White, the guy as well. Really, really awesome guy. You know, from our interactions with him, he's he's, he's like Josh. I mean, there's a reason they're like two best friends. I mean, Derek White is really on and off the court. Yes. Uh, another person who will be a, a, a real pleasure to cover. So there's that. We're, we're working our way from the top to the bottom. The next guy I think we should talk about is Wes Gordon. Wes, I think uh, to start this conversation, you have to look at the three games Josh was either hurt for or got hurt in this season, and look what Wes did. He put up double-doubles in all of those games. I'm not saying that Wes and Josh never figured out how to play together because I think they did at the end and they were finally hitting their stride towards the last 10 games of the season and they were really playing well off of each other. But I think Wes is a lot better of a player when Josh Scott is not on the floor and that's not a knock on Josh as much as that's just how Wes plays. Yeah. um, You know, he told Ted of the Ralphie Report that he wants to be uh, the exact role that Josh played this year and next year. Um, and, you know, it's not exactly in his DNA to be that guy, but even if he's making an exerted effort towards being a leader, um, you know, really taking control down in the post, 
just that enough is going to be huge because, look, Wes Gordon doesn't have to do it by himself in terms of leadership next year. Uh, he's, he's hopefully going to have XJ by his side. He's going to have Derek White, who the players respect. You heard the way George King talked about him when we had him on this podcast a couple weeks ago. Um, he's going to – Trayshawn Fletcher going to be a senior? Trayshawn Fletcher is going to be a senior, which seems crazy because it, it almost seems like, you know, we've just been waiting for him to break out, but you realize he lost half a season to injury. Um, so it's all kind of coming together where – for the first time since maybe his first season here when they weren't his players, Tad Boyle is going to have a senior-laden basketball team. Um, and those are the teams that have success in the tournament, are teams with, with a lot of upperclassmen presence. Of course, it's not going to be at the guard position, which we'll see how that affects them. But there's going to be a lot of leadership on this team, a lot of guys who have done this dance before. Uh, and I think it really, to me, I just keep feeling confident about the way the makeup of this team looks for next season. And then another guy, as we go through this lineup, uh, I, I think you just throw them all together, but we talked about Trayshawn Fletcher. Josh Fortune's going to be a senior as well. Uh, I know it's a little bit of a different situation with him, but this will be his third year in the Colorado basketball program. George King going to be a redshirt junior, so it'll be his third year in the pro- or fourth year in the program. And uh, that's another guy. You know, he had a great year this year. And you could really see him breaking out even again next year. And, and I mean, even if he plays at the level he did the last 15 games of the year next year, you'll take that. Uh, But I think he will even progress further. And you're all of a sudden looking at a team that's not, well, they need this, this, and this to happen. It's more of, well, if this happens. And I, I think those are the ifs that you want to happen because, you know, it's about how much upside you can get rather than if it's there at all. And those questions are uh, a lot better uh, to be being asked this going into next year than they were going into this year. But one of the questions I do have is the leadership. And you mentioned it a little bit. And, you know, you have a lot more seniors on this team than you did this year. Uh, I mean, I, I, w- I would say key seniors, I should say, because Josh and XT and then, you know, you had Brett and Eli. But, you know, you have XJ, who's going to be a big impact player. You have West who's going to be a big impact player. You have Fletcher, who, if he's not in the starting lineup, he's going to be the guy, off, sixth man off the bench. So you have a lot of leadership on that team. And I don't think we're going to see what happened two years ago or last year or whatever. Uh, you know, the year a ski booker was the leader of the team happen again. And especially the way Tad Boyle has committed to making sure that never happens again. Uh, so if Buffs fans are worrying, oh, well, they lost Josh Scott, where, what's going to happen? Is it going to happen all again? I am almost 95% going to say no because there's been a concerted effort around the program uh, to make sure the complacency that happened that year does not happen again, as well as uh, it's really a, a new group of guys. All the guys that are going to be seniors next year were underclassmen when Askia Booker was here, and I'm sure they weren't very happy with the way that season went. Yeah, I think, you know, that's basically uh, it's a thing of the past. You know, you've seen Tad, it's not like Tad Boyle teams have never recovered from losing someone. They recovered pretty well from losing Alec Burks uh, and, and more than that on that team. You know, they recovered. And Andre. Right. They yeah. recovered from losing Andre. Uh, it was the loss of Spencer that was kind of crippling. Uh, and it just kind of, and it, I don't know if it was really even the makeup of the roster more, more than it just was the chemistry of that team. But I think we've, we've moved past that. And I think, you know, Tad Boyle understands the level at which he has to coach now. Uh, and it was kind of cool this year. I don't know if if you feel this, but from our perspective, 
Tad was proud of the way that he coached this team, I thought. Um, you know, he wasn't afraid to say, yeah, I did turn it up a little bit, and, and it paid off for us. And to me, that was really cool because Tad is usually very mild-mannered, but um, you could see when you a- if you ask him a question such as, you know, Coach, uh, you really wanted to turn it up this season, and it looks like it paid off. You could see a kind of an, an extra twinkle in his eye where he was like, yeah, you know, I started it early, and the guys responded really well. And, and he, he continuously say how much he loved coaching this team. Um, and so I don't think you're going to see him necessarily, like, come off the gas or anything next year. He's going to take it to another level and continue to coach these guys with that type of intensity. Another point I think should be made with this team, you, you dabbled in it a little bit, but guard play. Dominique Collier will be a junior. Thomas Akiazili, solid freshman year. I think a lot better than we had expected, if you think about it now. Uh, you know, his freshman year, I, I, you know, you didn't know what Thomas Akiazili was going to be. I don't think the program or the coaching staff knew what Thomas Akiazili was going to be. Well, he turned out to be a guy that could give you 10 minutes off the bench each game, continue to run the offense good, and he is a spark plug. And, push the, you know, yeah, push the uh, pace and transition. And the best part about Akiazili is the guys absolutely adore to play with Akiazili. Everyone wants to be on the floor with Akiazili. He's the ultimate team player. He'll be a sophomore next year. That'll be a big thing. And a recruit that I think we're both pretty high on, Bryce Peters coming out of Los Angeles, a three-star recruit, a combo guard. Yeah, um, he plays the game in a way that I think can really help this Buffalo's team. Uh, it's not exactly the ball-handling, true point guard type that I think a lot of people are wishing the Buffs had this year. But um, Bryce Peters is going to do some really good things. You know, He just needs to, t- to kind of tune up his shot a little bit, uh, continue to work on his handle, all that good stuff. And once that happens, um, you know, I've said I'm as high on him as a recruiter as I've been in a while. So I'm really excited to see the way that he kind of fits in next year. Um, of course, then you've got Dalian Brown coming as uh, another wing player, see where he fits in. You know, th- they have so many wings. I, w- I would be interested to see if maybe they, re- they redshirt him. Um, I know Tad loves to redshirt dudes because it's worked out for him in the past. And he's essentially already gray shirted. Right. It's essentially what you get with a gray shirt in football. But but he's uh, he, what I'm saying is he's already essentially gray shirted right, because by of going he, to prep school. Right. Exactly. So I, I, I don't I just wanted to make that clear to our listeners because I don't know if they know. Yeah. yeah. So he's went to prep school for a year. I, w- I wouldn't be shocked to see him um, do the red shirt thing just with how deep they are at, at the position that he kind of contributes at. But maybe not. Maybe he comes in and, and he's a, a shocking addition and he's, you know, a great scorer from the wing that they that they can uh, use. So. Really, there's a lot of options with the guys coming in. Of course, you got Dallas Walton as well, the big guy who I think they are going to need just to eat up some minutes down in there. Um, you don't expect him to be redshirted, even though you know he looks pretty raw by just the film. And I mean, it's just the way you're looking at. I, and it, I guess it depends on what uh, you, you think you can get from Keenan Guzanich. Kenan Guzanich. Um, Keenan, I like Keenan. That's a good it's name. Kenan. <laughs> I know it's Kenan, but Keenan, I, I think that's a good name. Keenan. Like Keenan and Kel. Are you too young for that? No, I, I remember it was, that was like the they worked at the burger joint. And well, that was the movie, yeah. Yeah, good burger. Yeah, yeah good burger. Um, Welcome to Good so Burger, home of the Good Burger. May I take your order? Yep, that's the one. So, Kenan Guzanich, if he can eat up minutes for you down there, where it's not just uh, Wes and Tori on a night in night out basis, which I think is um, a little bit of a scary preposition, just proposition because. Uh, 
it's you're counting on two guys to be consistent every single night. That not have foul showed trouble. no consistency. Right, exactly. So um, you're going to need a third big down there, whether it's Guzanich or Walton, I guess is to be seen. And, and I don't want to write off Guzanich. I even wrote as much earlier in the season. I think he shows some things. Um, when you're getting buckets on, on uh, Wes and Josh in practice – on a fairly regular basis, not like he's killing them, but he's able to score on them. I think you show something. So get in better shape, tone, uh, tone up the body a bit, and then maybe he could be that guy, and then you can redshirt Walton. But um, I think either way you're going to need a third guy down there. Yeah, I think you're going to need a third guy too, but I also think Tad Boyle is going to be a lot more inclined to play small, especially with the wing players and all those things. You know, I expect them to play a lot of two-guard, two-wing, one-big, line-up, four-out kind of thing. Uh, just personally, that's kind of my expectations. But I still think you need three big men because you're going to play two big men at times, especially in the Pac-12. Teams have two seven-footers on them, or at least a seven-footer and a 6'10 guy. So you're going to need that. You're going to need a But you also have to think of the fact that Tarzuski's out next year. Uh, Pirtle's going to be gone. Uh, you'll, we'll see what happens with the guys at Cal. But it's going to be a, a, probably a smaller conference in general next season. Right. And I, I, my point is you have to count XJ and George both into that four spot. Uh, you know, they won't be traditional fours, but they probably will play a lot of that four position next year. And uh, – if things go the way that you want them to go, if you're Tad Boyle, you're probably able to redshirt Dallas Walton or at least try and start the season redshirting him. Yeah, I think the, the, there's going to be some options. Um, it'll be a, a fun thing to cover from our perspective because I always like, you know, Tad Boyle is always, he's always like making these last minute decisions and kind of hiding it. And I don't know, it's kind of fun to keep, it, keep an eye on. Like, neither of us would have been surprised if XJ played Thursday. No, I, I, I might have been surprised Thursday, but any point behind that, I wouldn't have been surprised. Yeah, like we've, I mean, to let you in on the secret of the site, we've had an XJ article pre-written since I think December or November of both versions of whether he was going to play or not <laughs> going to play uh, that was ready to publish at any second just because, uh, you know, we didn't know. And it could have, break. we've been on edge about this for a while and there ended right, and up it's being not no like news. we were just in the dark like any person i talked to anywhere was like yeah dude we don't really know right like the people closest to xj did not know and and uh and he's still playing with people on twitter that are like oh you're gonna be back next year and, and he's like winky face or like crying emoji and it's just like what <laughs> like, what are you doing man uh i i i, I think it's 90 percent, 80 percent that he'll be back uh you know just the way uh he's kind of the, the role he's taken this year as well, some of the tweets he's had, I, I just I have a feeling I have a good feeling about him coming here uh, or <laughs> staying here. But I will say this about next year's team. Both, both Pat Rooney at the Daily Camera and Neil Welk today uh, at cbuffs.com basically wrote similar articles about how the Buffs basketball team has a lot of talent, a lot of potential going into next year, perhaps even more talent than they did this year. And they need to capitalize on that, and uh, I don't know what a successful season would be. Uh, I think for me, a successful season for Colorado basketball is just getting into the tournament no matter the year, pretty much. Uh, but I will say, next year's team can be better than this year's team, and I don't think there's a question about it, and I think the Pac-12 will be weaker as well. And I think there's potential that this Colorado team uh, can be a top-four seed can potentially win the conference. I mean, neither of those things were completely out of the question late this season either. 
So uh, I think if things go right, and I'm not even saying if they go 100% right, if they go 60% right, 70% right going into next year, this Colorado basketball team will be good, like really, really good. Yeah, no, I think, um, I think you know, in terms of goals, I think the goal has to eventually switch to winning games in the tournament. And, and I'll tell you as much as anyone, it's all about matchups. It's all about matchups. Uh, UConn was a decent matchup. They didn't get it done. So eventually you have to. You, you just have to. Um, I'll defend Tad Boyle as, uh, as much as anybody. But eventually, you know, five straight trips to the tournament without a win is going to start to weigh down on the program. And people are going to have some fuel when they say, you know, maybe there's a guy, maybe there's a guy who can get it done more. I'm not of that belief, but I think, you know, eventually you have to get these wins in the tournament or else it's what, you know, what are you doing it for? Um, it almost has a George Carley feel to it if they were to get to the tournament next year and not win another game. It's like, oh, my God, like we have to freaking win a game eventually. So, the, for me, the goal has to be to win games in the tournament, not just make it. Uh, and I think that team is going to be very capable of it. I love the way it's made up. I love the talent on the team. I, uh, I think the chemistry will still be very strong. So, uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, for, for that team, it's going to be interesting because um, expectations are going to be up. They were down after last year. Everyone was very down on the team, very concerned about the direction of the program. I had conversations with people where we talked about, wow, maybe Spencer going down in Washington was the beginning of the end for Colorado basketball. And I think almost everyone thought that. It wasn't just you. It wasn't – I mean, I personally thought that too. But I think it was going through the heads of even some of the people in the program, and I think that's why you saw two guys transfer. I I think – I mean, there's a lot more reasons there, but you – there was this year – was a major year for Colorado basketball. Could have either swung back to being the old, you know, whatever, uh, complacency, or it could swing back to, oh, this is still the Tad Boyle era. And you know what? Tad Boyle proved that he's a hell of a basketball coach this year. And not that he really needed to, but he proved that, you know, he's here to stay. Nothing's going to change that. Uh, the Regents even said so. Uh, that is a great, funny story behind that. But, uh, you know nothing's changing and and this is a program that's going to be stable and one of the things in sports that is so uncommon is stability even at the top tier teams in every program around the country or even professional sports you look at the most successful teams and they're normally the most stable the new england patriots the st louis cardinals and now you have a colorado basketball program that's going to be entering the seventh year i think of tad boyle as the head coach you're guaranteed that he's going to be here until at least 10th year, and we all know he's got the lifetime contract at this point, uh, or, or close to it, close to it. But point being, if you're thinking about coming here as a young man for four years, you know Tad Boyle is most likely going to be your coach for four years, more so than you probably look around anywhere else in the country, uh, with the exception, uh, I wouldn't even say Sean Miller or John Calipari because there's potential that they could leave for the NBA at any second. That Those rumors pop up all the time with John uh, There's rumors John today Calipari. that Sean Miller might go to Pittsburgh. Right. Yeah. So, so, you know, I just think that, you know, compared to where they were last year and you look at it now, Colorado basketball is just in such a great place. Yeah, and where I was going with that before you so rudely interrupted me and went on a long tangent was Sorry. that <laughs> – 
<laughs> was that tad the, the, the expectations for this program are now back up. People are expecting the tournament. I mean, we had a podcast where we said the NIT would be a good goal for this year's team. Well, they made the tournament. Now the, the expectations go higher. Um, the students are going to be showing up from day one, hopefully. Um, the yeah, season right. ticket numbers are going to be up. The program is back moving forward, and now these guys have to deal with the expectations that they're going to be a tournament team. They're, they're going to be a top four seed in the Pac-12. Um, and all of that goes into the psyche of a team. So, you know, it's important for them to be able to handle that because going into next year, there's no – uh, Jake Shapiro and Ryan Konigsberg having a conversation after a football practice. Let's make sure not to drink the Kool-Aid on the basketball team because it's going to be flowing everywhere and everyone's going to be drinking it. We had a lot of those conversations <laughs> this year. Just pump the brakes, pump the brakes, pump the brakes. Uh, speaking of pump the brakes, if you want to come uh, pump your brakes, relax a little bit for the Sweet 16 and Elite 8. I know the perfect place to do it. It is the Blake Street Tavern here in lower downtown Denver. Happy hour on uh, Monday through Fridays, 3 to 6. Perfect timing for those first round of Sweet 16 games on Thursday and Friday. You get $2 PBR and Rolling Rock, $3 Wells and Domestics, $4 Craft and Imports. And for the Elite 8 games, weekend specials, $5 Jose Cuervo or a a special special a special I, I can't I can't drink it so I don't know uh, five dollars three olives vodka and flavors five dollars Jack Daniels and uh, that's the weekend specials all day Saturday and Sunday so if you're looking down for uh, sweet 16 or elite eight matchups this is the perfect place no other bar in the Denver area is quite like the Blake Street Tavern and uh, both of us will attest to that it's so big so awesome so many great people walking around it's just paradise speaking of paradise we'll have one more segment of the bsn buffs podcast paradise to your ears when we come back and let us have this great why go to the clock tower grill because of the burgers sure how about the 15 big screen tvs and the 100 inch projection screen okay how about the fact that it's conveniently located at the lincoln light rail station yep we could do this all day the bottom line is that the Clock Tower Grill has unique food and drink specials every single day and offers something for everyone all the time. Head down to the Lincoln Light Rail Station and let's have some fun at the Clock Tower Grill. Rain, sleet, or snow, 24 hours a day, residential or commercial, you name it, A-Team does it. A-Team Garage Doors will meet or beat any estimate and offer same-day repairs. A-Team Garage Doors has a five-star rating and is a home advisor elite service provider. Call A-Team Garage Doors at 720-556-8016. That's A-Team Garage Doors, 720-556-8016. Call 8016 for the A-Team. When is the last time you went to the Rock Restaurant and Bar on Smoky Hill Road? With 69-cent wings on Mondays, trivia on Tuesdays, and $2 domestics during happy hour and weekends, the Rock Restaurant and Bar is the only choice when I'm in South Aurora. They're open 9 a.m. to 2 a.m. every day, making them a great place for a big breakfast, tasty lunch, or a nice dinner. The Rock is off of Smoky Hill Road, just a few blocks west of E-470. Find them online at therockrest.com. That's therockrest.com. 
$3 beer specials, $4 shot specials, $5 appetizer specials, and two-for-one 10-inch pizzas. All of that happens every Sunday at Ernie's Bar and Pizza. Not only does Ernie's have the best deals, but they were just voted number one New York-style pizza in Denver by the Westward. Why go anywhere else? Make Ernie's Bar and Pizza your home for football on Sundays. Ernie's Bar and Pizza, 44th and Federal in Old North Denver, where the Pisons live. If you're tired of the same old sports bar experience, it's time to check out the Sunset Grill. They have the NFL Sunday ticket, NHL Center Ice, NBA TV, and yes, even the Pac-12 Network. But they also have a gorgeous view from their spacious deck. They have dry ribs, wings, and mussels to go with their ice-cold beer. They have $4 Bud and Bud Light pitchers on Sundays, and their happy hour is from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. every day. So next time you're looking for a place to watch the game, do it a little different and go to the Sunset Grill off Holly and County Line in Centennial. Sunset Grill. Ryan, have you seen the news lately? What in the news, Jake? Well, there seems to be a lot of rage about the male butt. (laughs) What are you talking about? Well, it's beach season coming up, and the gluteus maximus of the male seems to be a spotlight of this beach season and attracting the female. Uh, uh, What are you getting at? I need to get my glutes in shape for this upcoming spring and summer. Do you know a place where I can get my glutes looking... I would say perfect. I can't believe I'm even telling you this, my secret, but uh, I've been going down to glute mechanics for a while now, and professional skier Jeremy Johnston has great glutes. (laughs) (laughs) And he (laughs) will tell you his regiment for getting your glutes in peak beach season. I think Jeremy Johnson, the skier, actually sells boots, not better ways to improve your glutes. Ah, damn it. What have I been doing over there, then? (laughs) In the the city of Golder? (laughs) I've been over in Golden just working out in boot mechanics all these these months, and no one said anything to me. (laughs) They're just like, why is that guy that looks like Thomas Walcott still... uh, (laughs) <laughs> working out his glutes up in this boot uh, selling ski joint. boot selling joint. Um, well, now that I do think of it, while I've been working out my glutes there, I've seen Jeremy Johnson hook up some people with some great ski boots. I mean, he uses this fancy machine, and they take a, a, a mold of your foot, and they turn it into a perfect footbed for these guys to go and do squats at the gym. I wonder if they could do... Uh, a, uh, a mold of my butt to get the perfect <laughs> swimsuit for my gluteus maximus. Uh, this is the last time I ever want to talk about your butt on the podcast. I think some of our listeners will be very interested to know <laughs> about my butt. Maybe like one? Yeah, probably one. Probably my grandma. <laughs> oh, yeah. No. Well, she's very interested in what's well, going let's on. All right. Well, let's move on. Uh, You can visit Boot Mechanics in Golden or visit them online at bootmechanics.com. So, uh, yeah, I can't make a transition there. I was going to (laughs) say, speaking of butts, but I could not uh, piece that together. Uh, So, the Colorado basketball season has ended. Uh, Our good friend and our coworker and your employee, 
Matt Cisneros' time uh, as a CU journalist has come to an end uh, because uh, that's how college works, and he is going to graduate. And it's still, it's, I have to say, it's still weird for me for you to say, like, you're an employee. Like, I was, I was about to go out with Cisneros one time, and... He was like, "Yeah, I was talking to this girl, and she's like, what are you doing?'" And I was like, "Oh, my boss is coming over, and we're gonna do, we're gonna have some drinks." And I like, I had to like pause for a second and be like, "Who's his boss? When's he coming over?" And I was like, "Oh wait, that's me." <laughs> uh, I just have to say that's still weird for me. Like, I, I, I like the first thing you said, our friend. That's the only thing yeah. I look at. Man. Well, definitely our friend, and his time's coming to an end here at CU. Great article on our site, bsnbuffs.com about his journey as a photographer through four years uh, centered on Colorado basketball, and there's been some great moments in Colorado basketball the last four years, and there has been no one closer to the action, including probably some of the Colorado players than Matt Cisneros. He is on the floor right under the basket, and he is literally within striking. He he touched the ball in every game of the Pac-12 tournament and threw (laughs) it back in. he, he even added a little flick of the wrist on one of them. It was pretty sweet. I uh, commented on it. Uh, but, yeah, so Matt, uh, definitely a great eye uh, and an eye that's been so close to Colorado basketball. And we have hyped up his work as much as we possibly can, I think, uh, and it's deservingly so. And, you know, I'm not one to – I don't have the attention span to go through a long article, but something like what Matt just put out is – is really good, really yeah, good. It's it's something that I think uh, everyone should read. Um, I was when I read it, I was I, I like, and I guess this is the boss in me coming out. I was just really proud of Matt because when when we like unofficially hired him after a game, as he was just sitting next to us, I was like, hey, can you take pictures for us? And he was like, uh, yeah. And we're like, all right, cool, you're hired. Um, like I, I told him, you know, anything you want to do, anything that I can help you with in terms of. Uh, being a journalist or being a photographer, I'm, I'm not a photographer, but any any way I can help you, like let me know. Like if you want to write something, I'd love to help you with that. Uh, and you know, he he texted me, and it's in this in his piece. He tells about when he texted me about this writing this, uh, and he was like, I want to write you know a memoir, and I was like, sure. And I had no idea what to expect, and then he drops me you know eight eight thousand words on his time at CU, and I mean, uh, from an editing standpoint, when you're editing someone's first really big piece you're expecting to have a lot to do a lot of work and I, I really didn't um I left the things a lot of the ways that he wrote it because I could tell there was uh, you could feel his voice in it you know maybe there's some extra periods here and there but th- that's part of someone's writing style um he dropped a few hellas did he no I don't oh. think he dropped a hella um thank god but you know it was it was just cool I like it's you know you don't always have to read something the way a writer is supposed to write it. Um, it's kind of cool to read something from a regular person who's just writing something, who's who's no, doesn't necessarily consider themselves a writer. And for Matt, he's a photographer who became a writer for this and really, really told some great stories. I mean, uh, <clears throat> a lot of people who have read it have said the Bill Walton story is worth the read alone. Yeah, it's um, an awesome story. To me, the Askia Booker graphic that he made, he, he animated... Uh, the Askia Booker shot. To me, that's worth clicking on it alone. Um, but really, the whole thing will take you through the last four years of Colorado basketball, which I've kind of unofficially deemed the Josh Scott era. Obviously, some other great players have, have been here in that time. Uh, but it takes you through that, and it, and it kind of puts it all in perspective through the eyes of a student who came here uh, from Oakland, California, 
who didn't know much about Colorado or, or Colorado basketball. And this is the student that became a, Col uh, a Colorado basketball fan at CU. And, 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 you know, not as much of a football fan. Obviously, he got a shoot for, for CU video, which is amazing. Um, just I, more of a great I haven't read the whole does. piece, but does he talk about CU video? A little bit, yeah. He, he gives a shout-out to CU video. And I just think it, it's, it's, it's a perspective that everyone should look at because – um, you don't get that. You know, you and me, we've been here in Colorado for a long time. Uh, you're not a Coloradan, but I was that's waiting okay. for that. Well, uh, you're not a Boulderin uh, or a Boulderite. Uh, yes, I am. You're yes, from I the am. small town outside of Boulder. Well, we can get to that, but I'll, and I'll tell you how I'm still a Boulderite because I was born at Boulder Community Hospital. Sure. But uh, it's just a perspective that we can't give, most people can't give. It's a, it's a kid from California coming to Colorado uh, and telling you about his four years through the through his eyes and through his camera lens, and you get the visual aid of what he was seeing through his camera lens and that. And it's something cool that I love to have because I could never bring it. Um, and that's what I'm always looking for, something different that I can't bring. Uh, and I was really proud of Matt for putting together something uh, that I can't bring and, and that you can't bring and that, you know, it's a perspective that I think it, it should be seen from a lot of people. I think something uh, I often do, and I think a lot of people do this, is I go back and, you know, I look at old Facebook photos and see what I was doing at, you know, this time last year or, you know, uh, what I was doing and how, you know, I've kind of progressed or whatever, and I, I go back and read my own pieces or whatever. Well, you can do that with Colorado basketball through this Matt story and see how he progressed as well as the program through his eyes, and I think that's a really unique thing because, you know, I can go back and read my own story from a year ago and see, oh, well, the Rockies were doing this, blah, 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 the Buffs were doing this, uh, and I sound like this. Well, you know what? There's a difference between reading a story and seeing a picture, and I think that's something so unique with Matt is, you know, it's, we live in such a visual world, and, you know, as one of my favorite podcasts say, it's a visual world uh, that you were introduced to on one of our road trips this weekend, uh, or past weekend, and uh, Matt brings so much to it, and he's brought in so much to our website, uh, and this is really awesome, and if you haven't clicked by now, just click on it, please. Uh, we don't really ask you to click on Matt, we, ask, we actually ask you to click on a lot of things, but... Uh, we, we don't really hype things up like we do this piece, and uh, just go ahead and just check it out. If you don't like it halfway through, don't like, like it, it, but you're going to like no it. Thing as so, not liking it halfway through. so, yeah. Um, but go into this thing. You, you claim you are a Boulderite, and you are Mr. Oh, Jake can't be a Coloradan because, you know, he didn't move here until he was in seventh grade. Uh, you know, you kind of half say you're a Chicagoan, which I do. Um, you don't let Tyler be a, a Boulderite because he's from Cleveland. You don't let your mom be a Coloradan, even though she moved here when she was like two. Three. E exactly. Uh, you are very strict about who you call Coloradans. This is so, make so many people hate me. Yeah. That's okay. That's, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to make them like me by hating <laughs> you. Uh, but you claim that you're a Boulderite. Yes. You were born in Boulder. Yes, I was. You went to high school in Boulder. You went to college in Boulder. You did the whole thing. But there was a gap of about, what, five years where you weren't really living in Boulder. Well, this is a good angle for you to try and take me down from my throne. But you must understand, in a divorced family, I had two homes. Oh, you're already going the sympathy route. This is where you know no, you're in I'm trouble. No, I'm just telling okay, you. all right, fine. My dad's house was in the heart of Boulder, so you can't take that away from me. But 
you talked about this earlier when we were off the show, and you talked about how you think I liked Iowa because, like, there's two types of people in Colorado. There's, like, the West Coast Coloradan and the Midwest Coloradan. And I actually, I would have never thought of it that way, but I did grow up uh, with my mom. We lived up in a, up, up Coal Creek Canyon, which is a tiny little bit outside of Boulder. If you're driving on 93 towards Golden, it's like a random right turn and it just it's a somewhere one in Golder. Yeah, it is actually right in the middle of Golder. Uh, you just take a t- one a two lane road all the way up the canyon, up a, up a dirt road, and so I lived up there on a horse ranch. Uh, and every single day, I wore short jean shorts, cowboy boots, and a gun holster around my waist. But you weren't allowed to bring a gun holster to school. A gun to school, obviously, a fake gun. So I just wore the, the holster without my plastic gun in it. Um, so I guess I did kind of grow up with a Midwest vibe. Um, like and that's why you went to Iowa and liked it so much. Right, exactly. That's why this conversation came up in the first place between me and you and me distinguishing West Coast and Midwest Coloradans. But I like that, though. I, yeah, I, I guess I'm a, I'm a Midwest Coloradan. Yeah. If you let me be a Coloradan, I'm definitely a West Coast Coloradan. But you're from the Midwest. Yeah, but I just <laughs> look what I'm wearing right now. I'm wearing khakis and, like, in universe shirt and a Sacramento Kings hat. Does my Nike hoodie and brand new Roshis make me a Midwest Coloradan? Probably not, but like <laughs> that's yeah, that's your swag. But like I don't know, Colorado's got a unique swag and it's cool. Uh, not goofy boy swag. By the way, I did do that one day. I wore I don't have Crocs, which is the defining feature of goofy boy swag. But I wore uh, Minnetonka moccasins. Uh, sweatpants and uh like hoodie like i literally just got out of bed and just went to class uh which i never do like that's i always wear jeans or whatever uh i just and a lot of people just wear that to class so it wasn't like a huge big deal but i was like i have to do this i have to do my journalistic investigative work and see what goofy boy swag is like (laughs) uh so and i can attest to the comforts of goofy boy swag i did fall asleep in my astronomy class Mm. Maybe that's the trick to not falling asleep in class. I wish I would have known that. I just wore sweats and a hoodie every day and passed out. Yeah, I never fall asleep in class because I'm so uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> There's the trick, kids. If you're listening at home, just look better and you won't fall asleep. Yep. Uh, anything else you got to talk about, Ryan? I wanted to ask you what your favorite moment of this oh, basketball yeah, yeah, yeah. season was. So this is a cool thing for me because this was my first full season covering the Colorado basketball program. I've been around it for, you know, a couple years now. I've been following it for about seven, eight years. And obviously I have a very unique perspective on Colorado basketball because of where I see the games and how I, I, I watch the games and, you know, taking the game. I call the games. I'm calling the games. So for me, one of the best moments of Colorado basketball season was Lorenzo Bottom's shot against Colorado because that was my first buzzer beater call. You All know, those people that you just got to like, you now hate you right. again. But, but like, if you think about it from my perspective, like, that's a really awesome moment for my career. But by far, I would say the coolest moment for me was the court rush. Because the la- that, that whole game, it, if you listen to my whole broadcast of that game, the last four minutes, I am talking so fast and over myself that you can't even hear my last words. Like, it is indescribable because I am just so excited um, that I am in that moment, that I get to be part of it, uh, that I get to leave some kind of mark on it, that I am just too excited. Um, 
So that was a really cool moment for me. And, you know, I, I people come up to me after the game and tell me, like, they, they thought I was calling the game from the student section, which I thought was a really unique thing that I could do is basically have that perspective. And uh, for those of you who don't know, and I'll just go for it, but I was one of the leaders of the C unit two years ago or whatever year it was. So I do have some of that in me where I want to trash talk the players. I almost got kicked out of the USC game three years ago because of I was calling their trainer. Uh, uh, gosh, don't Mr. incriminate Queen. yourself here. But yes. So, uh, you know, that was a really cool moment for me, and I have to go there. Uh, number two, probably the George King buzzer beater. That was just, you know, you, you knew it was coming. You so badly knew that it was coming, and then when it hit, you were just like, okay, he did that. That was awesome. Uh, but that whole Arizona game with Josh Scott going off was just, that was the only moment that felt like Colorado basketball this year uh, compared to the other years where it's just absolutely wild in the Coors Event Center. You know, they're taking down a big-time team, and you have all of the moments that make a great college basketball game. Those are all, those are all really good. I think from a basketball perspective, um, I'll, I'll stay in that Arizona game, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to narrow it down a little bit. It was just that couple minutes of Josh Scott takeover. Um, it really, I mean, I got like, I, I've done this press thing enough where I, I you know, I, I'm used to sitting there with a stoic face and, uh, you know, taking it in and tweeting. If there's any like excitement, I, I let it through my fingers into my yeah. tweets. Um, and, and just watching that and, and kind of parlaying that together with the way I, I've felt about Josh Scott throughout his career as a person and the way he's treated us. Um, as he took over that game, I just I just got hyped. Like I was hyped. Like I, it was so cool to watch him do. Uh, and like I, I, and I haven't done this since probably my first year ever covering anything. But uh, one of the and ones he got, like when it went in, I like threw the the like count it with my hand, and I was like, oh shit, like can't do that. Um, so it was just one of those things where like emotion had just overcome me because I was so hyped for Josh to watch him do that because, you know, he had struggled in those big games um, largely throughout his career. So for him on the biggest stage, on his second-to-last home game, his last chance for that Coors Magic, and uh, he really put it all out there, I, I was I was off the wall excited for him. Best part about being on radio is that, exactly, is I can throw up the annual and I can throw up the three-pointers. Can, can you, though? I can scream I don't think into the can. radio. <laughs> No one said anything. You might, to me but yet. I don't. I don't know. I'm just, hey man, I'm just using it to help me describe what I'm seeing. Uh -huh. um, that's what I say, and you know what, it does help. But you know, and and it's so awesome because I can just start yelling into the radio how excited I feel to detail that to my listeners. And you know, the writer, uh, and when I'm a writer or the writer sitting next to me, just has to look at me and be like, yeah, well, that's his job. And that's awesome, and I think you experienced that a little bit when you called a few games on radio with me, uh, even though they were the Hampton games, so you couldn't really uh, yeah, was, feel that. Yeah, that was still fun, though. Yeah, but we'll definitely um, have to do that again. The, yeah. From a non-basketball perspective, um, since you kind of went away from basketball a little bit in terms of your career, uh, and I guess this is going to turn into the Loving Matt Cisneros podcast, but uh, adding him to our staff was something that was really cool for me. You added me to your staff this year, too. But See, you know, and I was going to get to you, and now you, like, wanted to credit yourself, so now I don't know if I can. Well, all you <laughs> – all right. I was going to say, and I'll do it anyway. You don't know. Adding I'll Matt wrap was, up the podcast. Adding, adding Matt was something that was really cool for me um, because, one, I thought he, 
the content he brought to our site was so uh, unique, and it, and it made all. I mean, being able to use you know Matt Cisneros, BSN Denver on our own photos that were awesome photos. Like it wasn't just like me filming Tad Boyle after practice and then taking a screenshot and sticking my name and BSN Denver on it. Uh, it was real great photos. Um, but the other thing I always talk about is the coolest thing about being in media for me has been all the people I've met. Um, and it goes all the way back to Will Whalen who hired me, uh, to Adam Munster-Tiger, to Tyler Ziskin, to you, to Matt. Hey. These, these people that I, I meet in this industry have largely become my best friends in a, in a lot of senses. So, um, and if there was a podcast about what my favorite thing from the football season is, I would have said it's hiring Jake Shapiro. Because, you know, these are the people you're around every day. These are the people you work with. Uh, and it's cool to be able to call those people your friends and really connect with them on another level. So being able to add you, being able to add Matt, uh, and be obviously being able to hang out with guys like Tyler and Matt and Adam, that to me is what makes this so cool. Of course, covering sports is amazing, and, and it's a job that I think anyone in the world would want. But to be able to meet people that you really care about and can really become your best friends, to me, that's even better. Yeah, I finally got to hang out and meet Will in Vegas, and that's a treat, and I'm so glad that he's coming back, and I'll be able to hang out with him uh, this summer next year. But uh, And he'll be on the BSM Buffs podcast at some point really soon. Uh, I can promise you that. Uh, but for Ryan Koningsberg, I am Jake Shapiro. That's going to wrap up this edition of the BSN Buffs. I said Butts podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's still in my head. The BSN Buffs podcast. Follow us on Twitter at BSN Buffs. Like us on Facebook. We're still asking for likes on facebook we're getting there i think we got one new like today but it was us uh, Cisneros's brother uh so we're doing it we're doing it we'll uh, take it we'll take all the likes uh so thanks for listening we're uh, over 200 yes road to 300 starts now also i'm i'm like we passed a thousand twitter followers this week yes on bsm buffs right do. i'm like 40 away from a thousand on my personal account uh which sure i'm at. shocked by that we need 247 to get me to 3000 rk3k the campaign could start soon. Keep an eye out. Wow. Hmm. Okay. Uh, for Ryan Koningsberg, I am Jake Shapiro. Follow him on Twitter at Ryan Koningsberg. Get him to 3,000. Follow me on Twitter at Shapalicious. Get me to 1,000. Uh, thanks for listening. We really appreciate all the listens, all the interactions we get. Uh, we truly do read and listen to everything you say. You know, Ryan went to a restaurant based off a recommendation we got from a Twitter friend. Uh, I take all of your criticisms and I cry a little bit. And, uh, uh, <laughs> Uh, visit us on bsndenver.com or bsnbuff.com. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Oh, you didn't hear it? Oh, because I can hear my... Really? Talk into your microphone. Check, 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 one, two. Check, 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 one, two. All right, now talk again. Hey, hey, I am so used to being rude. So much Oh, I'm an idiot. Jake's being an idiot again. 
try it, try it again. I'm okay for you, you, you. <laughs> you know I'm recording this and I can put this as the hidden track. That's totally fine. Did you hear the hidden track last week? Here, talk, talking. Always worth it, and you deserve it. The way you work it, cause girl you are. Check, 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 check. Check, 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 check. Check, 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 check. Check, 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 check. Check, 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 check. Check, 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 check. BSN Buffs Podcast Network. Where are you holding the mic in relation to your face? Check, 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 check. Huh. All right, make another attempt. There was an attempt, an attempt to test the mic. Okay, I think we're okay. <laughs> <laughs>